very long passage. How are you already here to be for hours and hours? Because I've got 40 verses to talk about. Um, that's a joke. I'm not really going to be there for that long. I've made, a, I've made a note so I know what time I started. So I can keep track of time after those of you that were here last time when I went on a little bit long. Um, yeah, so before, before we kind of uh, start off with this, let's just pray. Father, I thank you that each time we look at your word, there is something exciting, something challenging, something encouraging. But I pray that tonight as I speak, you would use my words to encourage, challenge and excite us about who you are, what you've done for us and what you will do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so hopefully you've all eagerly got your Bibles open at Acts 13. Um, so we've now come to the bit where Alan talks about the first uh, stopping point for Saul and Barnabas' tour of wherever. And we've now, they've now turned up in Antioch. So, yeah, and like it's kind of one of the things that kind of really, I don't know, uh, caught my attention when I was reading through this verse is verse 16. So this is where we're going to start. Because I'm not going to go verse by verse because we'll be here for a little while. But verse 16 says, they're in the synagogue, they've gone along on the Sabbath, they're there listening to the reading of the law and of the prophets. And it says, um, standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Seems okay. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's quite exciting because it says, and you Gentiles who worship God. So it wasn't an exclusive uh, synagogue. It wasn't just the Israelites. There were people. There was the, the activity and the life of this synagogue was drawing people to God. There was something about what they were doing. We don't know what it was. It's just that simple, that simple few words that says, you Gentiles are worshipping God. And in that very small capture of what is going on, it shows that this synagogue was ca- had fully grasped or started to partially grasp some of the role in which God intended for Israel right at the beginning. God didn't ever intend an exclusive club, a you know, chosen people in an exclusive way that they were wonderful and they were not for anything else, and God was not for anybody else. God intended, chose the Israelites. So through them, he could show himself. They could show themselves to the rest of the world and to draw people into the relationship with God that he, that he had with Israel. So this is quite exciting. So you've got these Israelites that are kind of doing that and they're kind of people are being drawn to God and they're hearing God's word, they're hearing the law, they're hearing the prophets, they're hearing how God started uh, way back in the beginning of Genesis hearing how the, the covenant with Abraham, the, the Ten Commandments with Moses, how the prophets spoke into, the, into Israel and challenged them about where they were going, and they didn't want to run away. They were intrigued, they were interested, interested, and they were about to hear a very long speech from Paul. And I think it's kind of quite amazing. Like, it's almost like if... I mean, we don't know exactly how long they'd been in Antioch, but actually, they just got asked to bringing a word of exhortation or a word of encouragement. And whenever anybody gets to do that, that is kind of, that's quite a challenge. But Paul, in semi-usual Paul fashion, steps up to the plate and delivers a rather magnificent, magnificent speech. But we'll get on to that in a minute. So what, going back to the, 
the challenge, or what I think is a challenge, we have a synagogue that is doing what its role is, and there are people that are coming into that synagogue to find out about God. Now, it's very, it could be easy for me to say, kind of, you know, why is it not happening here? And that's what I'm going to be saying. But I don't mean it flippantly. I mean it's like we have, uh, we are in a relationship with God. We have the most amazing thing in the world, and if we're not careful, we can become a bit exclusive. We can become focused on our, on our doing our stuff, and yet nobody outside of these walls knows. But somehow, in the synagogue in Antioch, these people knew. Now, this is a question, this is a challenge, this is a struggle that I kind of I think about myself. You know, when I was before I went to college again and I was at work, I look back on my life, and I didn't draw people to God. I don't know why. I, can, I mean, and I'm not wanting you to do navel gazing, but I'm wanting you to think about, you know, how is it that I live my life? How is it that these people in Antioch were drawing Gentiles into, this, into their synagogue? How is it that I'm not doing that as a person on an individual level? Or how is it we're not doing it on a church? We may be doing it on small levels. And it's not, I'm not standing here kind of passing any judgment. It's just something that really, really spoke to me. And I thought, well, what's the point in if it's speaking to me to keep it to myself? So, do we recognise that it's our responsibility to shine God wherever we go? Or have we been consumed by the world around us that says, it's okay, a bit like what Elizabeth said this morning, if it's okay for you, but it's not okay for me. Or there's no absolutes, there's no exclusivity. And do we end up being weakened or hiding away the light that is Jesus in, for times when we're surrounded just by the people that agree with us? Or do, we, or do we want to be open with that message? Do we want the people to come through the doors that don't agree with us, but are wanting listening to, are wanting to ask those questions, that are wanting to search for the true meaning of life and what life is all about? So, that's the first bit. And I could expand on... There's, I found this sermon like really, really hard to write because there's so much going on. And I could do a whole sermon on why Israel is chosen and all the consequences of that. But you can go and find that for yourself. You're all clever people. You can all open a book. You can all read a Bible. But that's what comes out in Paul's speech. Paul's speech um, is, bears a lot of similarities, a lot of... Uh, Similar framework, similar content to uh, Stephen's speech in Acts 7. And that didn't really have particularly nice consequences for him. It wasn't all, you know, a bed of roses. He didn't just say what he wanted to say and um, toddle back off. He, was, he died at the end, but the consequences was death. And I don't know, guessing... Paul was probably aware of the consequences of what Stephen had faced, and yet he went down a similar route. And it's quite, I found it quite an interesting thing, because it starts very much in the centre of what every week in, week out, they would have heard about God. They would have known their heritage. They know where they come from. They will be very proud of where they come from. They're very proud of... Uh, how God had chosen them, how going back to the start of Abraham being selected, but even back to the beginning of Adam and Eve, but back to Abraham where he was selected, where the covenant started with a whole, whole process 
of God drawing people to him and his people drawing them to him as well. So they see, Paul started on a mutual point. He started just reeling off their heritage, reminding them things that they would just be able to connect with and identify with straight away, things that they would probably feel comfortable with, things that they wouldn't have any need to question because it was their heritage, it was their, their family tree, their spiritual walk with God. And it's our heritage just as much as it's their heritage. Our heritage doesn't just start at, as a Christian. Our heritage doesn't just start at the point of Jesus. Our heritage starts with Abraham. Our heritage starts at the beginning. We are as much part of the Old Testament as we are part of the New Testament. Yes, there is a change in direction, but also it's so important to understand the Old Testament in order to be able to fully understand the New Testament. That that heritage goes through right from the beginning right to the end. And that Jesus isn't like a separate bit. Jesus is part of that narrative. Or the exciting, slightly geeky term of the meta-narrative. We're all part of the overarching thing. That everything that fits within the script, within the Bible. It's not just, you know, bits and pieces all together. They all interlock in together. And are just as important as any other bit. To read one bit without the other is to miss something out. We can read a, a, chat, a book on its own and we can understand it. But actually, the more we understand the other bits that go with it, God enables us to reveal and to see some of the depth of what is going on. To reveal and understand the depth and the lengths to which he reached out to the Israelites and reaches us out, out to us today. So, do you all know your heritage? Do you all know the Old Testament heritage? Is it something that you're excited about? Or is it something that we kind of put in a core and go, well, that's there, but we focus on the New Testament? I think when you look at speeches like Stephen's and Paul's, it's just a reminder that we can't afford to do that. That if we forget about our past, that we forget about where Israel came from, or if we forget about anything like that, that we struggle to understand the here and the now, and that like Israel, we can repeat the same mistakes. Israel kind of went a bit backwards and forwards, kind of, you know, like uh, being right with God, but then wandering off in their own direction. And you just, you just kind of go, why did you not just learn from what happened, you know, 100 years ago, even 10 years ago? You're like, or how did you, why did you forget it? Why did you just have this desire to go off in your own direction? Because you can see the consequences. But unfortunately, that seems to be a, something that happens within human beings. We are, I can put my hand up to this, independence. That I, like, I can want to make my own decisions, but yet Scripture points back to when we make our decisions with God. When we focus and learn and understand Scripture, and it's brought to life by the Holy Spirit, that actually we can... Yeah, just have a greater freedom in life. As much as I struggle with independence, when I occasionally break free from that and I actually allow myself to focus and relax in God, then life is so much more easier and so much more simple. But Paul wasn't about a simple message. Paul in this passage is... Bringing something that is really challenging 
that sometimes we can forget that the shift that takes place between uh, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, or the challenge that comes with it that may draw us, uh, to, like the, the law may draw us towards a desire for what we can do to achieve it. And in Paul's dialogue, he talks a little bit about the difference, uh, about the, get the right place talks about the law and the freedom from the law that Jesus brings, about the fulfillment of the law. And he brings just this very tiny snapshot about what Paul will later go on to talk about in Romans, that Paul really unpacks what shift took place through Jesus with regards to the law. So I could have gone hours on that because there's an entire book on it that goes with it. But never, never forget the change that took place, that the freedom and the, the almost, we t- I don't know about you, but like, I sometimes take it for granted. You know, and, but that I, yeah, I'm so, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that I don't have to do sacrifice. This is a bit of a tangent. I was trying not to go off on ones. <laughs> But I'm so grateful that I don't have to do sacrifices. Although I don't have to provide animals for sacrifices. Because I don't really know, I'm not very good with blood. And just the thought of having to do that is, you know, enough to be grateful for in the fact of that. But as was before the tangent, that actually, one of the things that I was reminded of whilst I was reading through, um, through the passage and how... Uh, important Paul is drawing out their heritage and, and the history of their people, that there is a, a quote that for those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. This is by a philosopher whose name I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to bother. But actually, it's so true. If we forget where we've come from in our relationship with God, if, like, I mean, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and if I'm not careful, I can get... Uh, focused on the now and forget all the amazing things that God has done in me and through me and somehow got me to this point of being in Norwich, stood at the front of a church, inflicting people on people a sermon. Um, Or I can forget about the struggles and the times that life has just been really, really too much for me and I've wanted to give up, but God has been there and allowed me not to do that. Or I can forget about the amazing things that answers to prayer and just kind of stumble around in the dark and lose sight of the things that God has done. And I think it's so important to remember where we've come from, both in the sense of the Old Testament, but in, also in the sense of our own lives. To not, yes, live in the now, but not to forget the past. To allow ourselves, not like Israel, to repeat the same mistakes over and over again or to forget the lessons that we learned, but to remember them and to be, yeah, just so thankful and grateful and never forget what God has done in our lives. Especially in the the hard times, even more so, because they are when I found that actually these little snippets that I can remember what God has done and remember how God has brought me to this point in time again. So... First, the first part of, this, of Paul's uh, speech goes quite well. They seem quite interested. They don't want to lob anything at him. They don't want to lynch him. They don't want to do anything horrible to him. In fact, they want him to come back. 
which is a little bit different to Stephen. I mean, I'm sure if Stephen would have gone, well, that's not fair. I did roughly the same thing, and you're getting asked back again. But move that, that, I think, for me, that just is amazing how God can do completely different things with exactly the same things. But what I want to look at now is the difference between the first response and the second response. That the first time they were... Paul hadn't, like, you know, he hadn't done, like, a nice fluffy version. He'd kind of properly kind of gone for it and told them the truth. But yet something within them made them receptive to it. They wanted to hear more. And yet in the second... Uh, the next Sabbath day comes back. Uh, and in that passage, you don't know exact time scales, but it, yeah, it's not really nice. It's not really, you know, thumbs up at that point. Something has clicked within the people, within a group of people, in verse 40, where it says, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. Something had narked them, Something had wound them up about what Paul was going around saying, and they weren't going to have any of it. And it wasn't that he'd changed the story, he hadn't just suddenly added an extra bit, because he'd given it in its fullness to start with. But something had clicked within them that thought, right, I'm not having any of this. I don't agree with this. This man is causing trouble. This, you know, whatever he's saying is just a load of rubbish. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly what the response was. And yet, are we sometimes like that? Do we sometimes hear amazing truths and can absorb it and accept it and take it into our own hearts and be really passionate about it? And then yet sometimes, another time, we can hear exactly the same thing, but because of where we're at, that it just narks us, winds us up? And do we leave it at there? Do we kind of go, well, because I don't think it's right, therefore it can't be, and I push it to one side, even if it is God's word? Or do I kind of like fudge things a bit and go, well, that was for then and not for now, or that's okay for that person over there, but not for now, or not for me, rather? Do we somehow justify our own responses to things that make us feel uncomfortable? Do we come to a Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, home group, just wanting to hear things that are nice? Do we just want things, to hear things that connect with us? And like, I'm standing here not going, yes, I always love to hear challenges because they're just so nice. Because they don't. Because they're horrible. Because it reminds you that actually you've got so much, uh, such a long way to go. But actually going back to the remembering the past and not repeating it. If I don't listen to those challenges, if I don't journey in my understanding of who God is, then I will wander off on my, by myself. I will not be receptive to those things. And we don't, it doesn't exactly say, you know, why was this? Why was it like this? But, and it, I don't really know. You know in yourselves uh, why you are sometimes open to things, why you sometimes not by things. It, sometimes it's just even the person that said it. I mean, 
That is the case with me, my sister. I love my sister to bits, but sometimes she winds me up, especially when I know she's true, when she's right. Um, and, and maybe that's one of the hard things, is actually to hear something that somebody says true and is deep into us, because the reason we get not, because it's true and it demands something of us. Because Paul, is, as well as in the first time connected, well, he's making a demand on their lives. They're having to make to shift their understanding of the Israelite faith, to shift their understanding of how it all works out and fits together and impacts their life. And maybe Paul was just lucky and caught them on a good day the first time round, and the second time we caught them their true selves. But it's not always just about where, where, where we are at. There is the spiritual realms. I don't really understand the spiritual realms. I wish you did a little bit more. But in Ephesians 6, it says, For our struggle is not against the rulers, flesh and blood, but against the powers of dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Excuse my language, maybe Satan was being a bit of a silly bugger on the second bit and was just kind of, the Holy Spirit was free in the first bit and people were open to, and the second bit, Satan was a pain in the backside. But we need to be, when we're listening to things, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit and his directions and not just be cerebral and thinking about stuff. You know, well, does this passage really mean this? Be open to the Holy Spirit doing his job. You've been given a job description. Allow somebody to do their job. Don't make, give them a job description and then make them redundant. Because then the job isn't done properly. Because we kind of hatch it together and try and think how we can work it out ourselves. And if God has given us the Holy, if God the Father has given us the Holy Spirit, why would we not want to include him? Because it's just... I don't know about you, trying to get my head around scripture, trying to uh, get my head around the, the heritage of Israel and how that all fits in with me. And, you know, I did, did think about looking at the passage in Romans 11 that talks about how I grafted onto the branch, but that's way too complicated to include in a 20-minute sermon. But that's, that's just as important. So to be able to get our heads around a bigger picture of the depth of what is going on, we need the Holy Spirit. And he, and he pops up right at the end and says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't necessarily say how they were filled with the Holy Spirit or why they were with joy. But seeing as one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, maybe it's a good indicator that, those, that the people, the disciples, Paul and Barnabas, were people that were open to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was speaking in them and through them. That they weren't, right, I've got a grasp on this, I need to go and tell lots of people and do it in my own strength. They were people that hungered after understanding God and God's will and following it. And one of the challenges is quite often so many uh, people in Scripture, we can look at them and go, they're amazing, they're people in the Bible, that's not connected with me. And I've done that loads of times, but I think as I go on, actually, and the more and more I think about it, yes, they are amazing people, but no more amazing than all of you sat here. 
and all of you sat up there. God, if God wants to, and God, I can't speak for God, but you know, in my understanding of God, God wants to do amazing things in our lives. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with joy. God wants us to be receptive to the challenges that he has for our life. So, you know, why not kind of, I don't know, kick back and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does. Kick back and relax and to allow the word to come alive and to speak into our lives. And as the the Acts goes on, there'll be more and more examples of how the Holy Spirit was was working in people's lives and making that difference. So going back to the towards the beginning when it's talking about the challenge of, well, this synagogue in Antioch had people uh, coming to the synagogue who the Gentiles, the God-fearers. Reminds me of a passage, a verse, and I should have written it down because I can't remember where it is, where it talks about the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. It's the Holy Spirit that makes people open to, to God, to understanding. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. Yes, we can be the mouthpieces. But we need to be praying for those people. We need to be praying for ourselves to have wisdom and discernment and understanding when we speak to these people. But it's never just on our own. We have do things together. God is a relational God. God is, has a desire for us to be relational with him. Not just with God the Father, not just with Jesus, but with the Holy Spirit as well. So, I realize I've gone on along as well. I've gone. Sorry. But, yeah, and I hope, like, I hope this is encouraging, that you're not sat there thinking, well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that, and I don't understand the Old Testament as much as I need to, and if I did, then I'd have a gra- better grasp of the New Testament. Or there's something that I kind of, like, I can't get my head around. This sermon is not about wagging fingers. This sermon about encouragement. This sermon is about saying, God is amazing. This sermon is about, God did so much. God spoke through people like Paul. God God's gave us challenges. And even when they're hard, that with God we can grasp them and understand them and live with them. And that we can be used in exciting ways. Maybe we won't kind of go on a mini tour of certain parts of Europe to preach the gospel. Maybe we won't do anything that in our heads seems significant, like, you know, I don't know, next Archbishop of Canterbury. But whatever we do, wherever we're at, God wants us to have a grasp of our heritage and wants us to live in relationship with him, wants us to allow the Holy Spirit to encourage and direct us. So be brave, be crazy. Not in an off-the-wall kind of way, but allow God to do what God does best, which is use us, each and every single one of us. Allow God to be able to... Allow yourself to hear what God sees in you and to have a desire to do that. So... Just going to leave it there. Hopefully, there's lots to think about. Sift through the wheat and the chaff. Chuck out the things that are just me rambling, but hold on to the things that are of God. Don't leave them in this building and go, that was nice and a nod and a smile. But if something has connected with you, or something that has challenged you, something that has excited you, 
hold on to it and make that part of your life now. But remember where you've come from in order to understand where you're going.